Just another couple weeks of uh, red letters, and uh, then we're going to be uh, transitioning into a, a short Easter uh, series that will be uh, three Sundays and Good Friday. We'll all kind of encompass that series, so uh, we hope you'll join us uh, for that as well. Let's go ahead and uh, pray. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this morning. We thank you for uh, your red letters. May we uh, hear them, receive them, obey them, and follow them. Uh, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A prosecuting attorney was calling uh, his first witness, um, a grandmother, to the stand, and he approached her and he said, uh, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? Just trying to establish a relationship. And she said, why, yes, I know you. I've known you since you were a young boy. And uh, quite frankly, you've been a real disappointment to me. Uh, you lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people, you talk about them behind your back. You think you're a big rising uh, star, but you don't have the brains to realize that you won't ever amount to anything but a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. And the lawyer was stunned and he didn't really know what to do. And so he said, well, Mrs. Williams, do you know the defense attorney? And she said, why, yes, I do. I've known him since he was a youngster and I used to babysit him for his parents. And he too has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, he's bigoted, he has a drinking problem. He can't have a normal relationship with anyone he knows and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the state. Yeah, I know him. And at that point, the judge wrapped uh, his gavel and called both attorneys to the bench and he said, if either of you asks her if she knows me, I will hold you in contempt. <laughs> so, right? Um, and and that, that establishes what we're talking about today. We're gonna be in uh, Matthew 7, like Scott said. Uh, that establishes what we're talking about today, that nobody, nobody in this room likes to be judged. And, and many of you have that person in, in your life, the person that you know is gonna be hard on you. You know they're gonna point the finger uh, of judgment at, at you, and uh, you just try to avoid them, right? The person at work that when they're around the water cooler, you, you go and, and get coffee instead. The, the family member that you just dread seeing, the friend that you, uh, you let go to voicemail because you just know what, what they're going to say. And while all of us hate being judged, here's the interesting thing about human nature. We all hate being judged, but we all, and this is probably a judgmental statement, so bear with me just for a minute, but we all also have a tendency to be judgmental. Right? There's something in, in human nature that while we hate being judged, uh, we, we love to sit in the judgment seat of other people. And I think this is why uh, Jesus uh, addresses this subject, because we've all been victims of it, and we've all engaged in it. All right? So there's a lot of common ground with this text. But here's where uh, Matthew 7, 1 starts. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So Jesus starts out with this very, very kind of simple uh, it, it appears easy to understand statement. And here's what he says. Next slide. Do not judge. Don't do it. Do not judge. All right, let's close in prayer. No. All right. Um, this this is, can be kind of a confusing statement because there seems to be other passages of scripture that seem to indicate where that we should, we should judge. 
right? And uh, where we, we do address sin, we do pay attention to sin in each other's lives and the lives of the people around us. There seem to be passages that talk about uh, instances where it is okay to judge. And there's a lot of theories that exist as to this text. Um, like there's one theory that says that um, what Jesus is teaching is that we should not judge people's eternities. And I think that's true. I think that's a good theory that it is not for us to say, we don't know what's in a person's heart. We don't know what's going on with them. So it is not right for us to say that person's going to hell, right? Or, or even that, that person's going to heaven, although that's a lot more encouraging. But that, that alone is for, for God to judge. And I think that's a good theory. There, there's, another, uh, there's another theory that says that we should not, Jesus is teaching that we should not judge a person's motives, Right? And I think this is true as well. That again, you have no idea what's going on in a person's heart. You have no idea what their motivation really is. So G Jesus is teaching you can judge actions, but you really shouldn't judge a person's heart. Leave that to God. Only he knows uh, the heart. And then there is a theory that is very popular in our culture right now that says what this teaches is that you should never do this ever right? You should never stand in judgment against anyone or anything. This was a very popular uh, statement that took off when I was in youth ministry years and years ago now, but um, that a kid would be doing something that was obviously dumb and dangerous, right? You're like, you're going to get yourself killed doing that. And you would point it out to them and they'd say, don't judge me, Matthew 7, 1. They had this verse memorized in a hurry, right? <laughs> don't judge me, Matthew 7, 1, right? All the verses in the Bible, this is the one they memorized, right? Um, and I really don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. I really don't. That we should never uh, stand in judgment about anything. That we are to just kind of reserve that at, at all times and against all people. I think my kind of theory on this is I think that there, Jesus is addressing an attitude of the heart and the mind because this is what Jesus has done for the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? We've kind of developed this phrase that we've used again and again and again. You are saved by grace, but God all right, two, I'm so proud of two of you, all right? <laughs> I just got done preaching 12 weeks, all right? No, no, you are saved by grace, but God cares about your heart. And he has been developing this idea all through the, the Sermon on the Mount, and it really is true, and it's true in this instance as well, that there is a difference between making a judgment about something and saying that is right or, or that is wrong and being a judgmental person. Right? So th there's a difference between those two, two things. The Bible talks about making a judgment. You decide between right and wrong uh, according to God's word. Making a judgment and being a judgmental person. So let me describe a judgmental person to you. I think a judgmental person is someone who loves to point out the shortcomings of others. That there should be a sadness or a heaviness to pointing out someone's sin. Right? That should be a hard thing to do. A judgmental person has no sadness or heavy, heaviness about it. They take joy in it. I think it's describing someone who is perpetually angry about other people and about their sin. And they tend to say things in a pretty harsh way and with pretty harsh decrees, especially when it comes to Christianity. I think it's describing someone who is fairly arrogant and prideful, and they think they have the authority to just point out everybody's sin, but anyone tries to point out their sin and their pride won't allow that to happen. He's not talking about judgment judgments about what's right and wrong. He's talking about an attitude of your mind and an attitude of the heart. And here's what I want to ask you today. Are you a judgmental person? 
right? You're called to make judgments about things, but are you a judgmental person? And in this passage, he's gonna, Jesus is going to show us the reason this is uh, an area of concern and why God wants to address our hearts on this is he's going to give us three illustrations to help us see this. The first illustration is the image um, of measuring. Verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't know if this is a scary thought for you or not, but I want you to think about this for a minute. What would happen if God judged the world the way you judge the world? Just think about that for a second. Think about yourself, and this will help you determine, am I a judgmental person? Just think about if you were God, all right, and, and God uh, were, were judged the way that you judge the world, would that be good for humanity or not so good for humanity? Um, I brought a measuring cup from home, and uh, um, uh, I need to make sure to bring this home. This is an important measuring cup. Uh, we got in the car, and she was like, so you brought my measuring cup. What's going on, right? Um, so, uh, but yeah, I brought a measuring cup from home because I think this is a good illustration of, of what Jesus is trying to teach here, that I want you to think about uh, if your whole life were a kitchen, I want you to think about when, as you kind of measure things out and you deal with people, what are the measuring cups that you reach for? Do you tend to reach for a measuring cup called criticism? Right? A lot of people reach for this cup, right? It's like, man, you, you interact with your kids or your grandkids or your coworkers or whatever, and, and you go into work, and the first cup you reach for is criticism. Um, it is the cup that you first reach for, is it condemnation? Right? It is the first cup that you reach for harshness. What is the first cup that you reach for when you're interacting with people? Does it tend, is it judgment? Is it criticism? Is it condemnation? What, what, what exactly is, is the one that you reach for? Because Jesus was not that way is the point of this text. Think about Jesus for a minute. When, when Jesus interacted on this earth, when he started reaching for cups, when he was interacting with people, kind of in his kitchen, one of the first cups Jesus would reach for is a cup called grace. Right? And he would say, man, your sin deserves condemnation, but I'm going to show you grace. One of the first cups that Jesus would reach for is a cup called mercy. So, man, you're deserving of punishment, but I'm going to show you mercy. One of the first cups uh, Jesus would reach for is a a cup called love, and he would demonstrate love uh, to the people that he interacted with. Jesus loved to reach for these cups, and he loved to cook in his kitchen with these ingredients, mercy and grace and love and kindness. The cross is a really great example of the cup that Jesus reached for, that when Jesus saw the uh, sinfulness of humanity, he could have said, I'm I'm giving up on you. He could have said, you're going to hell. He could have said, you're going to die separate from me. But instead, he reached for the cups of grace, kindness, and love. And he went to the cross and he paid for our sin so that we could know God in this life and in the next. And here is the point of this text, I think, right? We've talked about this in other series before. But when you understand that about Jesus, and when you understand the cup that he reached for when it came to you specifically, Right? This isn't just a theory that my sin was deserving of death and God treated me through his son Jesus with kindness and mercy and grace. When you understand that, you and I should be moved by it. We should be moved by it and it should change the cups that we begin to reach for. Right? This is how the gospel works, that we are moved by the grace of our Lord. And as we are moved by the grace of our Lord, it changes the way we interact with others. 
So the idea goes that as you follow Jesus, as you continue to be reminded of his grace and his mercy and his love, over time, this doesn't happen perfectly for anyone, but over time, you find yourself reaching for different cups. You're like, man, I used to, the first thing with my kids, I used to grab the cup of condemnation. Now I grab the cup of grace. Or I used to grab the the, the cup of harshness. Now I grab the cup of mercy. Or I used to grab the cup of anger, and now I grab the cup of love. That over time, the cups that we are grabbing for in the kitchen of our life begin to change, and it doesn't happen perfectly. It doesn't. It is a process. But that pro- as we evaluate our life, that process should be happening. It's like, man, five years ago, in this situation, I would have grabbed for this cup, now I grab for this one. And like I said, the struggle is real. I'm cut off in traffic just like you are. Right? That happens to me just like it does to you. I was like, what cup am I going to grab here? And thank the good Lord, I have a Northwest Christian Church sticker on my car because that thing saves me again and again. It's like, I can't go crazy. I can't even fly into a road rage. I got a sticker on the back of my car. That's not the only reason, but, right? <laughs> but over time, over time, we are reaching for different cups and, and, and cooking with different recipes. So here's the concern of this text, is if you don't see that process is happening, that man, I'm reaching for more grace, I'm reaching for more mercy, I'm reaching for more love, I'm still reaching for condemnation and anger and judgment. Here's the concern of Jesus. Do you know the grace giver? Have you been moved by his grace? Do you need to be reminded of the gospel that you were dead in your sin and Christ Jesus died for you? Right, it's one thing to know it here. It is another thing to be moved by it and in awe of it. And so the concern of Jesus here is, do you know the grace giver? Do you know the one who has shown you mercy and forgiveness? Because over time, you will start to reach for different cups. And I think a lot of Christians read verse two and they freak out at verse two because it feels like Jesus is proposing a new way to be saved, right? Where it's like, I thought we were saved by grace. Now Jesus is saying, show grace and mercy and kindness and it will be shown to you. Don't and it won't. I don't think that's what Jesus is is teaching. I think he is assuming that those that are in him are changing to be like him. Those that have been moved by his grace, those that have received his Holy Spirit, those that are in his word on a regular basis, that they are being changed to to, to look more and more like him. They're growing in grace. They're growing in mercy. They're growing in love. They're looking more and more like Jesus. We, We so believe in this idea at this church that we actually tailored our whole mission statement around this idea, that we are a growing family journeying together to be more like Jesus. Nothing sets us on fire here more than change lives of seeing people get to know their savior. And all of a sudden they're like, man, alive over the last five years or whatever. It's not the result of this church, the result of knowing Jesus that I am reaching for different cups. I'm cooking with different ingredients that my life has been changed. And so here's why this is so important. He says, man, if you're not in Christ, you will be judged by the righteous judge on the basis of your life, not his. Christianity teaches that there is this great thing that happens, that when I put my faith in Jesus and I stand before God, he sees Christ in me. So he doesn't see me, he doesn't see my anger, he doesn't see my shortcomings, he doesn't see my sin. He sees Christ and the perfection of Jesus. That's what Christianity teaches. It says if you're not in Christ, you will be judged on the basis of your own life. And yes, how you measured that life will be measured to you. But if you're in Christ, you have a relationship with him, not only will you grow, 
in mercy and grace and kindness. But Jesus will absorb your punishment on the cross. And he will forgive all of your, all of your shortcomings. And for the judgmental person that's not growing, the question is, do you know the grace giver? Are you being changed by the grace giver? So that, that's the first concern is what's going on with you in the grace giver? If you're an uber judgmental person and you're not growing in these areas, what's going on with you in the grace giver? That's concern number one. Uh, concern number two is the illustration of the plank, verses three through five. He basically says that if you're a judgmental person and you're fixated on everyone else and their sin, uh, a lot of times what happens is you fail to see what's going on in your own life. And Jesus uses a little bit of humor to illustrate this. He talks about the person that is like, and we all know this person, right? And maybe it's, maybe it's you or I, but you're focused on the sliver in their eye. There's this tiny little piece of wood, like right off the corner of the, and you're so focused on it and you're talking about it and you're judging them for it. And at some point they turn to you and say, dude, you got a plank in your own eye. You got a two by four coming out of your own eye. What are you worried about my sliver for? You got a two by four in your eye. Right? And that's exactly what is being described here. Now, I learned this in psychology years ago, and Jesus is absolutely right on this, but there's this psychological principle that says this, and this ought to scare you and I, it scares me anyway, but that your greatest condemnation of others and your greatest judgment of others reveals your greatest insecurity about yourself. That ought to scare you, right? Right? And it's deep, right? But I've seen it a lot of different ways. That the person that's always like, you're lying to me, you're lying to me, you're lying, I know you're lying to me. The, the person that's uber judgmental about that, a lot of times they struggle with lying. And they think it's in you because it's in them. And so our greatest criticism of others often reveals our greatest insecurity about ourselves. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. That what you see as a sliver in someone else's life, often it is a bigger and bolder problem in my own. And that can be hard to hear, but, but it's true. The judgmental person will totally ignore what's going on in their own life to stand in judgment of what's going on in, in someone else's, and they miss the thing that's right in front of them. So it's the politician that campaigned on family values and loves to preach on family values and loves to criticize over family values, and you find out a couple years later that they have had multiple affairs. It's the movie star that comes out and issues a tweet standing in condemnation over the, over the Me Too movement, rightfully so, but later you found out that they were the worst of all. It's the African-American comedian that has lectured African-American boys for years on living a righteous life, and you find out later he's been accused of multiple rapes. And it's easy to see these examples. It's like, man, alive. You're going after the sliver and you've missed the plank. And it's easy to see all of these examples in our culture, but you know what the truth of the matter is? We are all capable of the same thing. We are. And I will tell you, um, uh, my daughter Lila is a little over a year old at, at this point, and she's doing that thing right now where her eyes don't match her movements. Like what she's looking at doesn't match her movement. So like I'll be on the couch on the other side of the room, and she's like walking, and I'll be like, hey Lila, and she's like, uh-huh, 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 and then, you know, like walks into a wall, right? Um, and uh, that, that her eyes just are not focused on where she needs uh, to be and what she needs to be looking at. And this is exactly Jesus's point in verse five. He says, here's what I want you to do. And, and this is so powerful. If we could, uh, if our whole culture, I'm not preaching to our whole culture right now, I'm just preaching to you. 
But if our whole culture could adapt Jesus's idea here, it would be culture changing. But here's what Jesus, here's what Jesus is teaching. Open your eyes. That before you stand in judgment against anyone, before you point the finger at anyone, before you send out that tweet or Facebook message, before you do any of that, here is what Jesus is teaching. Engage in self-examination first. Right? So Jesus is not teaching here, never, ever judge anything. Never, ever. No, Jesus is teaching judgment that flows from self-examination first. So before I take a look at this sliver, I'm going to ask Jesus through his Holy Spirit, would you tell me if this is me? Right? This is like one of my greatest fears. Or not, you know, I mean, there's fears that are greater, but this is like a big deal for me is that I am worried that I'll be talking to someone and I'm going, I just cannot believe what is happening and there's this and there's that. And that the other person is thinking, dude, it's you. That thing that's bugging you so bad, it's you, right? That, that is one of my fears is that as I'm describing things, everyone's like, it's you, dude, right? You're, you're describing yourself. And this, this gets helped by self-examination. And this takes uh, an incredibly humble heart to be able to do it, but to say to God, man, before I Facebook message this issue, before I tweet, uh, I wanna address the planks of my own, own life, Lord. So would you convict me of sin would you help me to see my own shortcomings? Would you help me to see my, my own sin before I ever would address the sliver in someone else? And I'm telling you, if you engage in this, if you'll engage in this, it will change the way we interact uh, on social media. It will change the way we interact uh, face to face. Um, and it will help us to actually address slivers in a, in a better way. Our culture has become really bad at, at this. But when you engage in self-examination first, your tone will change. Your demeanor will change and you will be more helpful to the people in your life because you will not be approaching them in an angry and harsh way. You will be approaching them in a me too way. Right? So, 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 I mean, it just changes everything. When you come to a person without self-examination, it's like, I've seen this, this, and this in you, and it is bad. When you've engaged in self-examination, it's like, I'm seeing this thing in you and I want you to know I saw it in myself first. And, 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 and this, is, this is the way it's affected me. And I'm just concerned about you. And your tone begins to change. It becomes me too, that we're in this thing together because I have first addressed my own sin. All right? So that's, that's the second concern, is that we are just, we, we, is that our culture has become really bad at self-examination. And we become really good at examining others. And so it says, engage in self-examination first. All right, the last illustration is the image of the pearls. That judgmental people uh, tend to really feel like they have these pearls of wisdom that they need to share, right? And so they cast these pearls to anyone and everyone, anyone and everyone that will listen. And Jesus is saying that often the judgmental person casts their pearls before someone who isn't ready to hear the truth, or they can't hear it the way you presented it because you're angry. And so he says what ends up hearing is they don't ever receive it. They trample the pearl under their feet, and then they turn and, and tear you to pieces. And honestly, this happens most often over tone, over tone. And, and so you come at someone, you're angry about something, you see a sin, you want to address it, you're, you've not engaged in self-examination first, and usually what happens? What happens is a fight happens. And th your message, your thing that you wanted to address, it just gets trampled underfoot. Um, sometimes it's content, mostly it's tone. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean that the truth shouldn't be said. 
right? It doesn't mean the truth shouldn't be said. Some things, truth is truth, and some things just need to be said, but it does mean it should be considered. Tone should be considered, right? Another angle or tactic should be taken, right? So we, we, have, to, we have to address those those things. So you see, here's the point, is that a lot of judgmental people read these verses, especially verse six, and they think that's an indictment. And I, I, the illustration, I don't want the illustration to get lost uh, in, in the words that Jesus uses here, but they think it's an indictment of the dogs and pigs. So I'm not giving my pearls of wisdom to dogs and pigs. They're not going to listen anyway. They're going to trample underfoot. And there might be some indictment there. There might be something there about if someone's coming at me with truth, truth is truth. And even if I don't like the tone, even if I don't like the way they did it, truth is truth. And maybe there's an indictment there on me, the hearer, that I need to, I need to embrace the truth that they're bringing to me. Um, but I actually think that this text is a bigger indictment of the judgmental person, that this person's charging into Facebook or Twitter or Instagram with no consideration of tone, no context of heart, no, no self-examination, and they charge in with their pearls of wisdom, and they angrily and harshly share the truth to anyone that has ears, and it's just trampled underfoot. And, and um, Jesus' heart here is for the dog and the pig in the illustration, that they need to eat, they need to eat, but they're, be, they're, they're being given pearls. They're being given something they can't, um, they can't, digest or they can't eat. We, we started um, noticing this with our actual dog, Daisy, um, who is uh, very, very old at this point. Um, and uh, we started to notice that she was like losing some weight. We're like, what on earth is going on? And we found that she was having just a hard time getting the solid food that we were giving her down. And so uh, Cheryl went out and bought some soft food. This dog is like beyond spoiled as a side note, but that's a different illustration for a different day. But um, uh, Cheryl went out and bought some soft food and mixed it into the, uh, and kind of fed her by hand a little bit. And it was, it was effective. Um, anytime she's been sick, that's been effective. And then she just got used to doing it and started to eat the food on, on her own. She needed a different diet. And I think whenever you're bringing truth to someone that is worth considering, am I bringing this in a way they can hear? Sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes they're just not going to hear it. But am I, am I doing my part to bring this in a way they can hear it? And is my tone in check? Have I self-examined first? Is my attitude right? And then maybe they'll receive the meal a little bit better. Um, Jesus was described one time as he spoke the truth in love. And you have to have both those things in a relationship. Right? A, a relationship that doesn't have any truth, I don't even think it's a real relationship. So you, you, have, you have to have the truth, all right? It's a sham if you don't have truth, but you also have to have love, right? And, so, and Jesus was a master at this. You can read lots of stories where he, he did this very, very well. Um, one of the most famous ones is probably the woman caught in the act of adultery where he goes to her and um, they, she, she was found to be committing adultery. They brought her to the town square. They were going to stone her for the offense. And everyone had their rocks up. They're ready to stone this woman. And, and Jesus kind of ends up saving her and uh, says, hey, I got an idea. Let whoever is without sin cast the first stone. All right, so who wants to go? Right, and one by one. I love it, it says the older ones first, because the older ones were like, that's not me, right? Uh, they under, they'd lived a long enough life that they understood that they were, they, were, they were sinful. And so they put their rocks down first, and they started to leave, and Jesus turned to the woman, and he says, uh, see, no one's here to condemn you. But then he said, now go and leave your life of sin. Truth and love. 
truth and love. And uh, there is very uh, few teachings that are harder to implement than this idea. Um, because in our culture, some truths are just considered unlovely. Uh, but truth is always at its heart loving. And so we want to speak the truth. We want to speak the truth in love. So, man, if you're, if you're a person that stands in judgment, uh, he's concerned about your relationship to the grace giver because we ought to be picking up different cups. He's concerned that you're not seeing the plank, that you're so focused on the sliver that you're not seeing the plank. Um, and then he's concerned about uh, the message that you might have based on God's word that it's not ever going to be received because of tone and because of harshness. Right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for these words. And uh, I do think that you uh, have something to say uh, to our culture on this. And uh, we want to we receive it, Lord. Um, we do not want to be uh, um, a people that just stand in judgment, stand in judgment, stand in judgment. And there's no self-evaluation. There's no awareness of sin. There's no awareness that our message isn't getting through and it's being trampled. There's none of that. Um, we want to be people that are real, authentic, that follow you, and that we self-examine first. Before we'd ever say anything, we self-examine first. That, man, this truth, does it describe me? This truth, is it in me? This truth, does it, does it need to be addressed? Help us to do this, Lord. Help us to self-examine. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to receive uh, communion right now. And um, this is uh, one of those moments that I described earlier where Jesus was just operating with different cups than our culture, with different measuring cups. He, he just was. That when he saw us in our sin, when he saw us uh, having failed, uh, he could have reached for one set of cups. Instead, he reached for mercy. He reached for grace. He reached for love. And you and I, we ought to be grateful. This is a time for gratitude. We ought to be grateful that he did. But here's the other thing. We ought to be moved. We ought to be moved. And so right now, I want to pray for us uh, as we receive communion. My prayer is that we wouldn't just understand what Jesus did, that we would be moved by it. Because it is when you are moved by it that you begin to say, he reached for kindness with me. I'm going to reach for some kindness with my grandkids. He reached for love with me. I'm going to reach, reach for love with my coworker. He reached for grace with me. And, but that only happens, not just, it doesn't happen when you just understand it. We want to be moved by it. And so I want to pray for us as they're getting ready to pass communion. You find two cups stacked on top of each other as they pass them. One has the bread representing Jesus' body. The other has some juice representing his blood. And this is just a chance for us to express gratitude, of course. But to say, man, I want to be moved by this and changed by this. I want to reach for different cups. And you can ask the Lord to help you to do that, and he will. I really believe that he will. And so we're going to pray. They'll pass them out. Just hold on to them. Spend your time with God. I'll come back up in a few minutes, and we'll receive, the, we'll receive them together. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. May we as a people uh, be moved by what your son Jesus did. I've spent a lot of my life, especially my young adult years, understanding it because I've been in church since I was a child understanding it but not being moved by it help us to be moved and to reach for different cups it's in Jesus name that we pray amen